Hello, and welcome to Against Austin on the Against Me podcast. I'm Dwayne. I'm here with Austin. How's it Hello. going? Hello. I'm doing well, man. Uh, just just another day on the right side of the dirt. All right. I'm really excited. We've got a big show this week. We've got an announcement. I went to a concert. We Austin's going to Forbidden Door. And we're also going to be talking about the song Fast by the band Lit of my own worst enemy fame. Oh. And uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. Before we do, Austin, last episode, we said we were going to have a big announcement. Yes. And we're just going to go ahead, not fuck around. We're going to get right to it, right off the bat. Pull the bandaid off. Murder Brian is going to be doing the next episode. And we're going to be talking about New Wave with him. And I've already discussed it with him, and he's doing like the whole episode. He's doing everything. So uh, pretty fucking pumped for this. Uh, big fan of this dude. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really excited. It's going to be fun. It's yeah. going to be fun. I've, you've, have you ever talked to him in real life or just through no, social? No, he has a call-in show, but I have never called in because I'm too nervous. That's surprising. Yeah. I think you'd call. I figured you'd call in for that. No, I have a lot of social anxiety, so I do not do that kind of thing. Yeah, but you, there's another podcast you call into, and you're call into like- the voicemail. But Austin, I went to a concert last night to see an actual punk band, not a death metal band. I went to see a band called Dollar Signs, and they are, I guess, like a local. Band. Charlotte's not really local to me because I live in the middle of nowhere. How far is there Charlotte are, from you? About two hours. There are no shows local. No shows. No, no music would ever be played in any kind of professional manner near where I live. I, I have to travel at least an hour for any kind of any kind of show, right? <clears throat> but this one was two hours away in Charlotte, so I do, I've really debated going. Because I just discovered this band recently. But I went and they were really, really good. That's awesome. These guys are legitimately like a really, really good band that I think people should for sure check out. When I first heard them, I did not know that they were from Charlotte. I just thought they were really good. And then I looked on their Twitter and they were like, we've got a big homecoming show in charlotte this week and i was like i think i'm gonna fucking go to that and so i did and dude they were like really really good that's amazing these guys are like it was a really fun show it was a small bar but you could tell like they definitely have some hardcore fans who were like super into them everybody was like it seemed like it seemed it was just like a fun show really fun uh yeah they were but i was i was really surprised at how good they were like i had listened to their music like their albums and stuff but you never know like when you go see somebody live right especially like a punk band in like a small venue dude they were really good that's awesome i was really impressed they covered the malcolm in the middle theme which people went nuts for. That was who's the, really who's the original artist on that? 
Is that They Might Be Giants? That is They Might Be Giants. Yeah, which is a band that I've never really listened to, but I do know that <laughs> fucking about And uh, they played that as like the intro to one of their biggest songs, uh, Saturday, um, which is a great song. And so like they played the Malcolm in the Middle song and people were already going nuts. And then they went into that song, which is like probably their most popular song. And like, yeah, that was probably the hypest the crowd was like the whole show. It was very cool. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I like um, that a lot. I, I, I got to say, with like with as a maybe as I've gotten older, I don't know. Maybe it's just a preference. But as I've noticed that more and more, I like small shows when it comes to music, which I haven't been to one in a long time, or wrestling. Like I love the the small yeah. just because you there's the the interaction between the 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 people on stage or in the ring versus the people in the audience it's just so much more real and natural and i love that i just they definitely like um went out into the audience and played yeah he gave the microphone to fans and stuff like uh yeah definitely like interacting with the crowd they had just gone on like a long tour and then they were back in charlotte and i guess I don't know a ton about this, but judging from what they were saying on stage, it seems like this venue, which I believe was called the evening news is like where they started and like did open mics and stuff and sort of like, Oh, that's the cool. Band. Yeah. Like so they, I think they were excited to be there. People were really excited to see them. It was very cool. I, I mean, honestly, like I had a really, really good time at this show. That's uh, awesome. I'm happy so, you yeah, went. Really cool. I'm happy you ended up going because I know. Yeah, me too. You were a little. Back I debated. I debated it because I do not like to go to Charlotte. Yeah, traffic sucks. It's just I don't like just driving around the city. But uh, yeah, show was worth it. It was really good. Nice. Um, pretty sure they're against me, guys, because they have a song called "Reinventing Dollar Signs." So oh I, yeah, I mean that's yeah. a pretty good song. I'll just say this: how I discovered them was someone I follow retweeted one of their tweets and I don't remember what it said. So I went to their Twitter page and you know how it shows you like uh, people you follow that also follow this person. Right. And that it was three bands. I saw one of them was apes of the state. One of them is warriors, which is like one of my absolute favorite bands. Which you we turned me on to. Yeah. And we talked about them on the show before, but it got cut out. But a really great fucking band. Yeah. And just time and wise. I'm sorry, but I fucking love that band. I saw them last year and I thought they were really good. That's like really one of my favorite bands. Uh, and the other one was Nervous Dater, which is a really, really great band. Uh, and I was like, dang, those are three bands I really like. These guys must be good. And then I went and listened to their music and it is like really good. If you like like Motion City soundtrack, this is like a faster, sadder version of that. I don't know if they would be offended by that, but that's, I think, like, if you like that kind of stuff, you should absolutely check these guys out. They are fucking sick as fuck. That's cool. All right. Awesome. Let's talk about something that is not good. I don't really. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I really think this is a great episode to talk about this because. Oh, God. I just saw a very cool band uh, that does like their own, like very original style of music. They have like very inspired, smart, funny lyrics. uh, And that's what I enjoy about them. And uh, that's dollar signs, but we're not talking about them anymore. Austin, we're talking about lit. uh, My own, my own worst enemy. (laughs) 
uh, and their 2015 song Fast. And we mentioned this on the last episode, but I just now that Austin has seen it, I want to. So if you're listening to this, stop the podcast. Pause, please. Go to YouTube. Type in two words into the search bar. Okay, you're gonna to want to type in lit. L I T and you're going to type in fast and then it should be the first thing that comes up and, uh, and just do that very quickly. Okay. And we're glad to have you back with us. Uh, Austin, <laughs> what did you think about the song fast violet? I, Oh God. <laughs> if I, if I didn't love you so much, I'd hate you for this. This was, I mean, just, I, and like okay. all seriousness, I'm not doing a bit. I'm not no. trying to exactly. No, no, no. This, this might a, be the absolute worst song I've ever heard. This is a fucking terrible song. And I, so I sat there, and this is the truth. This is again not a bet. I sat there and I went, okay, this song, like this song has been going forever. Like, and it must be, it, like it must be a six or eight minute song. And so I'm watching. I'm watching the video. And I scrolled just a little bit so it showed the timestamp. And it was only two minutes into a four-minute song. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding This I, song is so bad on so many different levels. Yeah, and- it's it's terrible for like 20 different reasons. First of all, first of all, like <clears throat> we talked about Austin. If I have talked about this on the air and off the air, we're not genre guys. No. I don't care when a band changes up their style no. against me, did a different thing on every album. That's what I love about them. I think it's great. But just to cynically just become a different band purely for commercial reasons. Fast. And then to put out one of the most dog shit songs I think I've ever heard in my life. These are the most uninspired lyrics Oh, they're fucking awful. You know what? You know what's amazing about it, right? Because you talked about getting to that middle part. You get to that two-minute part, and you go, damn, this is the worst fucking song I've ever heard in my life. And then the guy is like, guess what, buddy? Dead troops. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I will just say this for anybody who doesn't listen to this song, and I don't blame you. It doesn't really have a, it doesn't have a proper chorus structure. Instead, it doesn't have any structure. It doesn't have any structure. Shit. Instead, the name of the song is fast, and at every fucking moment that there's a break anywhere in the song, the lead singer just goes fast. Fast. So much so that I actually kind of want it to be a bit on this show going forward, where we're just talking about it against me, and I just go fast, and it it is it is. So dog shit. Do you and know then, where these guys are from? I was about to say the same fucking thing. I looked them up and they're like, Lit is a band from Ward County. And I was like, of course they are. Of course they fucking are. Are you kidding me? Of course. Oh, they like went total Trumper in 2015. Oh, God, of course yeah. they fucking did. They're from we, fucking Orange County. <clears throat> I don't know if we've talked about it on the show. I don't think we have, but another guy that did a similar thing is Aaron Lewis from Stained. Yeah. And uh, his music is also really awful um and all these guys are all these guys are but um kid rocks is bullshit too yeah yeah but this is way worse than either of those yeah i agree like whatever you want to say about kid rock and aaron lewis and and they are terrible i'm not going to come on here and say like they've they like are good you know i I like some stain songs but um 
at least like, hmm, at least it sounds like a song. I could, <laughs> I, I could hear, you know what I mean? I could hear a kid rock song and I could go, I could see why some totally deranged person would think this is enjoyable. <laughs> this lit thing is this, oh, it's, it's so like, bad. it's like literally if you, to, if you told a computer, like, could you write a country song? Like, I just can't imagine who this appeals to because because first of all, I'm just imagining who is a lit fan in 2015. Right. That's the number one thing. Cause right. I, I haven't looked at their discography, but I don't know how many albums they've had since they've had, they've had, they've had six total. So I think it's four really? since then. Okay. Wow. Okay. Which is not but, productive. Uh, that's not a lot of albums. Well, that's more than I would have thought, well. but, uh, I mean, I pretty much heard my own worst enemy, and then this. You know? Yeah, me too. I went back and looked, listened to my own worst enemy, and I was like, "Dude, can I gotta, see anything?" You gotta give it to him though. What that song is sick. Yeah, it's a catchy. My song. worst enemy is good as hell. <laughs> like, oh, I, I don't know. I know not. some people feel like don't like commercialized pop punk, and I do think Lit is is genuinely one of the most cynical bands that I've ever seen in my life, but you have to give it to them. My Own Worst Enemy is a great fucking song. Yeah, it's a good song, It's but it's like... yeah. I, I, I will say this, so I listen to Against Me... I can't imagine to, any of their other songs are good. No, and I don't but, think any... If I remember correctly, and it's been a long time, I don't think any of the other songs on that that album that had the own, my own enemy were any good either. It was very much a one hit wonder. Can't imagine so. <laughs> and now we see why. And I only watched that video once, and I will never fucking watch it again, ever, ever. I will listen to dog shit music a few why, times. Why no, I wanted, one. why I wanted to talk about that on this episode in particular. First of all, we brought it up last time, and I just wanted you to see it, but. um I thought it was good here because I mentioned on previous episodes that I'm, I'm reading Laura's book. I'm sort of just reading along as we do the episodes. So I'm not going like ahead of where we're going to be in the timeline because I want things to stay fresh in my memory. Um, so I'm reading about this time period and it's really, it's really tragic part of the book because uh, Laura is really struggling at this time of just feeling like the music isn't good enough. The band isn't good enough. And like, it's so genuinely heartbreaking for me to read someone who like, I just respect so much and just think is such a fucking genius. And like, she didn't get it. And I, you know, like she just, and then you, you see something like these lit guys and there's just no shame. And like, let's just make the most cynical bullshit in the like Laura's literally like fucking getting physically sick over like being called a sellout and, 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 and worrying about if like the band is going in the wrong direction. And these guys are like, well, it seems like the gigs is dried up. I guess we're from the South now. <laughs> yeah. But, but see, that's the, but I think that that is a really telling difference between someone who is a legitimate artist and yeah. wants to do it to make music and someone who just wants to, I think more cravenly grab some cash and run. Right. I just, I just, I just think like, I, I read this book and I just want to go to her and say like, do you not realize that you wrote like some of the most important songs ever made? Like, and, and she doesn't get it. 
But then these fucking dumbasses, they just, they're just like, well, let's just be whatever's popular now. So I, I I'm not gonna. So here's the, I'm not gonna claim to be a great artist because I never was right. But I did go to art school. I, that was my first passion before I kind of I got a little side railed. I was an illustration major. I was creative. I painted. I you know various times in my life I painted, and I will just tell you that one of the most crippling things that you see with artistic people, like people that just create things is that they are never satisfied with the things that they create. They always think they could have done better. All they see it would, they see like whether it's an album or a painting, because those are the only things I can speak of is all they hear or all they see are the things that they think they fucked up on and the flaws. Well, Austin, we talked about dollar signs. We talked about lit. Let's actually talk about against me. We got an. We actually, believe it or not, have an album to talk about uh, <laughs> called "Searching for a Former Clarity." And Austin, on this album, against me is just like last time: Laura Jane Grace on vocals, James Bowman on guitar, Andrew Seward on bass, Warren Oaks on drums. We've got a new producer here, first-time producer Jay Robbins. Uh, Jay Robbins was a guy that they worked with on this album. He was in a DC hardcore band called Government Issue. Uh, so pretty much the total opposite of like <laughs> against me. And uh, but one of the things Laura said was like she was kind of dissatisfied with the kind of other bands that were popular on Fat at the time, and thought it was getting too poppy, and she wanted to to have somebody come in that would like just have a total, totally uh, opposite approach. And uh, she did say that um, <clears throat> she's not sure if, if Jay actually liked any of the songs that they made together, <laughs> but that, uh, <laughs> but that it was the first time that they worked with an actual producer and they, they did learn a lot and that Laura said she got really obsessed with the production aspect on this album. Whereas before they just sort of recorded it, somebody mixed it and that was that. And here, like there was a lot of production and you can definitely hear it on the album. Oh, yeah. ha- a lot of heavy production here. And, uh, and I mean, in a good way, but uh, Laura was definitely uh, learning that kind of stuff. So definitely a different approach on this album, which was also on fat records and came out on September 6th of 2005 and just one more final thing austin before we get into our thoughts about it this was the first album that against me put out to chart on the billboard 200 i didn't know that Uh, yes it actually charted uh topped out at number 114 which is pretty impressive for just like a band on an indie label with like no kind of real radio play outside of like you know, Los Angeles and New York, you know, major, major areas. You pronounce it wrong. It's New York. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, my, my apologies to anybody who's from New York. And, but, uh, <clears throat> Austin, let's get into it. I'm going to let you, I always go first here. So I'm going to let you go first. Just what are some overall thoughts that you had about this album? Um, I really enjoyed this album. It's different because it was a little longer than the previous album. So it wasn't yeah. quite so in and out. Yeah, I liked it a lot, but you definitely felt that length. I felt the length. I really yeah. did. I was like, yeah. there was. It, it, I mean, it's not a super long album. It's about 48 minutes. But I mean, I would I would say towards the middle and we'll get into it. It 
I wouldn't say it drags, but the first two albums just go by so quick. Right. You're like, damn, it's over already. Well, and you know that's a I mean? punk thing. That's the punk yeah. aesthetic. You know, I, I think one, that this one was this one was different for me because I felt like this one felt like them playing around with a lot of different sounds yes. and a lot of different. I hate the word, but a lot of the different like genres and, and yeah. kind of just met, like it almost felt like, OK, so we know what we do really well. But now let's try some different shit out and see yeah. what works. And and I appreciate that because I I don't know what the next album is going to be. And, I, and and truthfully, because I this is I'm going into all of these blind. But from the 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 cowboy to this one, it definitely feels like they're trying some different things. This feels to me again without knowing what the next album is, this is like maybe a growth album. Yeah, you know, like they're they're figuring out like what they can do, what they do well, what they don't do well, and they're playing around. And 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 I hope that that just means that they are also having fun doing it. But I don't know. You'll tell me. <laughs> no, maybe not. We'll into, okay, we'll get into that in just a moment. Um, I I enjoyed it, but it was definitely before, like a mixed bag of of songs. And I yeah. and I liked some more than others. And I thought some were really more successful. I'll and tell I thought, you an album that I would compare it to. And I think this is okay to say because we'll get into Green Day later. Laura really liked Green Day. But I would compare I this too. a lot to uh, the Green Day album Nimrod, where like okay. they try a lot of different shit. Not everything hits 100 percent, but like they're just doing stuff. And like that's more interesting than like just doing a dookie again. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. I think, I think here like Laura's talking a lot about this around this time about wanting to push the boundaries and and wanting to um try different things and um this is definitely their darkest album yeah and there's some pretty heavy subject matter on here and a lot a of lot the, a lot of the subtleties gone that's yeah. what i noticed about yeah this. I, that's exactly what i was gonna say so this is one that is a lot more directly political right than the last album we're getting this is another one that laura says is sort of like a loose concept album. A lot of the songs are sort of about a fictional band where really she is just using that as an allegory for her own insecurities and her own struggles. Um, so. Right. Well, you were going to say, so a loose, a loose concept album, is that the shaker, the energizer, the mover, the roller? I think that's part of it too. Um, but yeah, a lot of these songs are, uh, about a fictional band. band. Yeah. Um, but actually just about against me. Right. Uh, but I think, um, Laura is really struggling this time with some health issues. Um, and basically what she said was that all the years of like, living in squats and wearing dirty clothes and doing drugs were, were catching up with her. And, and yes. And so around this time she wants to get clean. Um, but <clears throat> she's really struggling with her dysphoria and st I mean, she's obviously not out at all at this point. So <laughs> you, you listen to some songs on this album and you think, well, it's so obvious, right? But it, she wasn't out at the time and people didn't really pick up on this. A lot of this stuff until later, because this is about a fictional band. This isn't about me. 
Right. She, she did not share with anyone that she was transgender at and, this and time. That, and that's actually one of the things that I wrote about a song. It's like, th- it's really easy to kind of like armchair psychiatrist this now, right? knowing everything that goes down. Right. But I guarantee the reaction was probably different at the time. Right. So part of getting clean for her was not only stopping drinking and doing drugs, but stopping um, wearing women's clothes in private. And so to her at the time, part of getting clean was to not do that either. And maybe if I just really, really focus on the band, I I won't want to do that anymore. Right. She's really, she's struggling mentally and physically at this time. Um, and that's the inspiration for a lot of um, the album. The The singer of the band in this album gets sick and ultimately dies in the final song. And Laura was really, really paranoid about her health at this time. Um, and really concerned. Um, so she makes a real effort in 2005 stop drinking and doing drugs and she has like some success with that at the time uh she talks about relapsing a few times and, and that kind of thing but um this is a heavy album because like she's going through a lot at this time uh and um but they've really matured as a band here and like they're really writing great songs a lot of musically interesting stuff. Um, the album was generally like well-received. I didn't read too many negative no, I didn't reviews. Either. Rolling Stone did a review that I could not find, but I saw referenced multiple times where they, they did not give it a great review, uh, but they did not give it a bad review. But uh, there was one person though that did not like it, which was Fat Mike, uh, who famously hated the album. Hated the production, hated the cover art, wasn't a fan of a lot of the songs, uh, and was pretty outspoken about that. And uh, that is one of the big things that led to them leaving the label. Um, And we'll get into that a little deeper into the quotes. But that's this is when that album came out and Fat Mike was so vocally against it. That's when she started thinking like. Maybe it's time to to take the major label seriously. About four months after this album came out, they would sign to Sire Records. Um, And they went with them because they were offering them the most money. And they were also offering them creative freedom. And one of the big things Laura said was they had Madonna. They had the Ramones. They had the Smiths. They had a lot of bands that they really liked and respected. And, uh, so they they wanted to go with them. I don't remember if it was right before or right after this album came out. They opened three nights for Green Day, a giant stadium. Uh, and they talked about that being like the most important show in the history of the band at that time. Because Laura said that Green Day was actually the first concert that she ever went to. And they, that was like her first inspiration uh, to do music and stuff. And so... Uh, she said it was really cool, of course, to open for them and play in like a giant stadium. Uh, but of course, she had to be. So- Go ahead. In New Jersey. That's all. It's one of the only periods in the book at this time where like she seems genuinely happy about something. 
And and that's why I wanted to bring it up because it was a moment for the band where like their friends came out and they played this giant stadium and it felt like, oh shit, we actually are doing something real. Um, and so I just wanted to bring that up because it was a big moment for the band. Uh, there, there's a lot of bummer shit going on in the book at this time. And that was a big stand up to hear her go like, oh, Green Day watched us play and it was really cool, you know? So, and she's, I mean, her and I are, a year apart in age and I cannot even express how influential Dookie was to people my age really and truly like we I walked home there's sirens going by because this is fucking New York and there's always sirens coming by but uh, you might hear on my mic but um, like I used to walk home I can't remember his name we were friends because we lived in the same neighborhood he was the nerdiest kid and we would walk home from the bus to our house. And all we would do is sing every fucking line to Basket Case. And then we'd go on to She. And then we would just, we would sing the whole fucking album. I still, to this day, know every fucking word. It, I, I might have to listen to it again to really like do it from memory. But like that album is up there. I know everybody talks about like Nevermind, but like Dookie is up there with Nevermind. Like, top five most influential albums for people that are like 38 to 42 currently, you know, like it's it's unbelievable. It really is. And like, you know, I remember the, the, we've, we've talked about like, and we'll talk about it more. Like, like the, the punk fans going, Oh, they sold out and, you know, they fucking made some money on their art. And, and that's such a stupid argument, but one thing, one thing I was very surprised by Laura is extremely honest in her book about everything. But she literally talked about like, this is exactly how much money the record company paid us $1.3 million. Let's talk about these songs. uh, Let's, yeah, let's get right into these songs, Austin. Let's get into the first one, which is a favorite of, uh, and shout out to him as we do on every episode, (laughs) friend of the show, Dalton, uh, told me that this (laughs) was his second favorite against me song. And um, I can see why. This is another just great opener. Yeah. I actually yeah. think it's the best opener yet. Okay, I think I, I think I like TSR a little bit better, but I mean it's close. This is a great this is a great song. It's a great song, and uh, it's 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 using sickness as a theme, uh, and talking about disease of the body and also capitalism as a disease. I actually saw I did a little a little bit of deep bear dive on this song, um, and I saw I I I I didn't cheat. Okay, I'm going to be totally honest, but I there is a video. It's a live show and I know it's much, you know, it's it's a few years after this album came out and it's Laura Jane Grace. And she says something I'm going to slaughter her word for word, but she says this song is about Miami and Miami's a shithole and everything is fucked up just like Miami. And that's yeah. why I wrote this song. And I was like, I, I kind of like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. She, um, there's a lot of, uh, not being happy with Florida in the, in the book. And uh, I don't blame her at all for that. And yeah. Dalton's um, going to run in and be upset about that because he loves Florida, but yeah. Well, and I know, um, a show that I really like uncle to uncle, one of the guys is from Miami. So, um, I don't think they'll ever listen to this, but if they do, I think Miami's great. I really like this song a lot. It's a great song. Mm. Uh, just fast and catchy. Just grabs you, grabs you right away. 
I said upbeat makes you want to fucking move. Yeah, I mean, great chorus. Yeah, yeah. Really, against me is chorus. so against me is so great at like having that shit you can just sing along with and just yell and just, yeah. This is one of the two sing song songs. Yeah, on this album, like there's two of them, yeah. but I think this one. I think this one is the better of the There group. aren't a lot of songs on this album that are traditionally structured. I guess there aren't a ton of Against Me songs no, general, there that are traditionally structured, but uh, certainly not here. But this is one that it's just kind of like verse and chorus, and it's like very, very good. Yep. Do you have anything else you want to say about that? No, I really liked it. It's one of my favorite songs. Let's move on to, and some of these songs are going to have long fucking titles. Uh, This is one of them. This one is called Mediocrity Gets You Pairs, in parentheses, The Shaker. And uh, I'll tell you where the title comes from here, Austin. So one of the things that was causing uh, tension in the band at the time was uh, the manager and the representatives from the various labels and stuff really favored Laura over um, the other members of the band uh, to the point that they didn't really seem to care about them all that much. And we're just sort of going after Laura. And so for Christmas, the management got Laura a Blackberry, which was new at the time so that they would be able to communicate with her on tour. And she kind of talks about thinking it was a nice gift but also like, oh, they just want to keep tabs on me. You know what I mean? And and keep up with what I'm doing. And everybody else in the band got a fruit basket. And uh, she said that when James received his fruit basket, he looked at Laura and said, well, I guess mediocrity gets you pairs. (laughs) That's amazing. That's really, really good. It's a really fast and energetic song and definitely a response to like, accusations of being called a sellout and, and yeah. that kind of thing. And, yeah. and Laura talked about everybody in the band wanting the band to be as big as they possibly could. Like they had reached a point where they had gotten past, like, we're not going to get accepted by the anarchy punks anymore. Like that ship is right. sailed. Right. We're, we're Let's money. see if we can be the biggest band out there. Like, let's just try to get as big as we can. And also part of that is needing the financial security. Like we're out here on the road all the time and we're just not making any fucking money. Yeah. If somebody's going to pay us and let us do what we want, we need to fucking do that. Yeah. And uh, she talked about it also, it also being a big risk and, 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 um, and worrying about like, you know, there are bands and that signed to a major label and it kills them. That's the end of their career. Yeah. Their fan base. Uh, her co-author from the book is a guy named Dan, Dan Ozy. He actually has a book that I really want to check out called Sellout. Uh, that is about um, he looks at, I think, 10 or 15 different bands and just like uh, what happened when they signed to a major label. And I know Against Me is one of the bands that's covered in there. But uh, yeah. all right. Let's get to song number three, Austin, which is called Justin. This is not a cover of the corn song, Justin. Um, but they both fans do have a song named Justin about a guy named Justin who died. So, uh, and corn was first. No offense to against me heads out there, but corn uh, did come up with this idea first. Although theirs is not about a soldier, it was about a kid with uh, cancer. But, uh, 
we're not talking about corn today. Maybe we will next time with Murder Brian. He's a big uh, new metal guy. But um, <laughs> which, by the way, the new metal to folk punk pipeline is real. Uh, and we'll talk to Murder Brian about that next time. But um, this song is about a guy who joined the Marines and died in Iraq. And then his family was not allowed access to his email account from Yahoo. And there ended up being a lawsuit, which changed the laws. Um, one thing that was really happening around this time and in the couple of years previously is the military recruitment is just in fucking overdrive. Yeah. And this song is definitely a response to that. Um. I mean, you just saw ads for shit all the fucking time. Yep. And it's definitely around this time that rock music starts to become safer and less political. And bands like Godsmack are doing advertising for fucking uh, the Navy or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. And I think this song is definitely a response to that. Um, you know... <laughs> As someone who is from a rural area, the military recruitment in the schools at this time was like, this was around the time that I was in high school and it was like very, very heavy at the time. Right. It was, it was a thing, you know, you, you, exp I mean, at this time, especially this sort of early to mid two thousands, you could not be against the military. In any oh, way. no, no. Like they, it was like, it was the worst time ever for that kind of shit. And uh, it's definitely refreshing uh, for me. Uh, I don't think I've mentioned it yet, but this actually is the first Against Me album that I ever heard. I think I've talked about that on previous episodes. Though. But uh, definitely refreshing for me as, uh, as a young person at the time to, uh, to hear these kind of views. Anything else you want to say about this one? So this was not one of my favorites. Oh, me too. That's the same even though thing I, I like the I like the subject matter a lot, yep. but this actual song itself was not one of my favorite songs. I just thought it was a little too obvious. It feels a little phone in. I think Laura is much more clever than this typically. <laughs> I just think it, she's a lot more clever, and I think that you know I, I don't I don't know if this one I think this one painted with too broad a brush. I um I talk about reading uh, comments before. Um, I'll usually look at. Uh, different sites that have lyrics and stuff and read some of the comments and people espouse the same kind of opinion on this that it just it just felt too on the nose and that this this band is just better than this yeah no uh, that's exactly i don't think this is a bad song by any means but uh when you stack it up against some of the other stuff here i just don't think it's uh it's quite on that level but let's talk about a song austin number four that i really really like unprotected sex with multiple partners. I feel like this might be their most underrated song. I don't hear like a ton of people talking about this. It's like one of their best songs. I don't think it's one that they played live that much and maybe ever. I'm not sure about that, but I fucking really love this song. It's just got that great opening riff. What do you think about it? I mean, you may not like my 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 take on it. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I said a really good song 
with a really terrible chorus. The on the okay. inside, on the I hated the chorus, but okay. And it, and it did something where it like pulled me out of it, where I was like, oh god, here we go. We're gonna talk about on the inside, on the inside. But I liked the song. I liked the lyrics. I liked that it was this like the plea to fans. It's a very meta song. Yeah, to like take a minute to understand what it is to deal with like fame right it's easy to go oh you're famous and you're complaining about fame and being famous like no man this is this fucks people up right like there's there's you can make money and be comfortable but then you can also be famous which is a totally different yeah Yeah, i mean i think i think a big thing here is is that a lot of the stuff they have to do as part of the music industry really makes them feel uncomfortable yeah uh, and it's selling yourself is, is part of it. And another thing Laura talked about was really feeling like the band has an expiration date. There's going to come a day where we can't do this anymore. Right. We need to like get it together as quickly as we can. And so sometimes you have to make concessions that you're not happy with and you're not proud of, but ultimately it's for the greater good of yourself and for the band. Yeah. And and the, the other thing I want to say here, you talked about you don't like the chorus, but dude, that fucking guitar solo into the bridge, or the, <laughs> like just how desperate can we be? Dude, that is like one of the fucking sickest parts of any Against Me song. That's that shit rules. I, I, I didn't I didn't dislike the song. I just dislike the chorus. But Austin, let's move on. Song number five. Another personal favorite of mine. From her lips to God's ears. The Energizer. It's kind of impossible to say what this song is about. Um, it's pretty vague, so <laughs> I don't know if you have any. Uh, if, you, if you have any thoughts? Oh yeah, vague, very subtle, very subtle. Not about anything. Um, <clears throat> it's obviously about Condoleezza Rice, who was the um, national security advisor for George Bush going into the Iraq War. Uh, she was a big player. In getting that war off the ground, and she would eventually become the Secretary of State uh, in Bush's second term. Not a great person in the world of politics. Nope. Um, no. Nope. What do you want to say about this? Because I this okay. is about a woman who, just so you know, was um, a Chevron oil tanker was named after her because of all the good that she did for that fucking company. So. This yeah, is I think a, that tells you pretty much all you need to know about. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, she's like a, a scumbag supreme. I think this song has something to do with you know Bush pretty easily winning re-election in yeah. 2004, and like the state of the nation and how people thought he was doing a great job. I mean, John Kerry was also the most uninteresting candidate they could have possibly wrote. Like you know, right. run against him. Uh, the guy had but, like, um, negative charisma, but Connelly's rise. Fuck her. Um, yeah. She's I, I'm curious how this holds up with younger listeners who don't necessarily know who she is. Oh, they don't know what the fuck it's talking about. Right. Probably. But they love saying Condoleezza. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> this has got to be a live song. The people that they like doing live. It's um, I mean, I don't think that they played it too much after the tour for this album because it's so uh of the time right but then but okay so the other thing i thought this was uh, but i will say this about that i remember seeing them at the warp tour um around this time and that being like 
the song that everybody got right. super hyped for. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the artists at the Warp Tour at that time were like overly, yeah. o- overtly political. Yeah, it wasn't. And this was actually the first Against Me song that I ever heard. It was on the Warp Tour compilation that year, I think 2006. And I just thought it was a really interesting song. And um, this this got me into the band. I wanted to hear more after I heard this. I, well, but so kind of going back to the dating of the song, right? I don't know if it necessarily needs to date it because the first thing I, not the first thing I thought of, but one of the things I thought of was the... Had you thought about Condoleezza Rice? No. In year, I mean, how? When was the last time before you heard this song? Yeah, it's, it's been a long time. I don't, I don't think, and I just, I mean, I love this fucking song, and if you were around at this time, it's great. But I don't, right. th- I don't think this holds up to a younger person because they don't have any like frame of reference. She's not been to. a public figure in like over a decade, right? And but they don't, but well, and it's different because <laughs> I, I thought about California Uber Alice by the Dead Kennedys. Yeah. And that's okay, a yeah. of a song, but a lot of people don't know who Jerry Brown is, but it's also different because Jerry Brown has been active in politics for like 50 fucking years. You know, right. <laughs> like he's yeah. around, but it like kind of Lisa Rice sort of like had her moment and then she cashed out and went home. Yeah, made a lot that's of money. Of what it seems like she really me. made a lot of money. Yeah. But um, there's one other thing I want to talk about, Austin, because I mean, as you know, I love Laura and I think she's a brilliant artist. And in this song, particularly, there's some really great lyrics and just really biting criticism. But there is a part in this song that has always really bothered me. Um, So there's a lyric where she says, oh, Condoleezza, do you get the fucking joke in reference to uh, a funeral for a civil rights leader? And Condoleezza being there. And that in itself, oh, Condoleezza, do you get the fucking joke, is a great lyric. Right. They follow it up, though, with James shouting, no. And that question really just could have stayed rhetorical. We did not yeah. need that no in there. No, it's true. <laughs> like, You're you know, right. <laughs> like, I, I, I hate to, like, come on here and nitpick, like, great art and 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 there's four songs on this album that i went back and forth for best song and this is definitely one of them i absolutely love this song but that no every time i hear it does it's like no we got it well no it's it's when you tell a joke and then you go am i right (laughs) yes it's exactly that yeah yeah but uh but (laughs) i don't know i just wanted to bring that up but uh i mean i fucking love this song i think it's a great song All right, let's move on to song number six, which is called Violence. And um, this is another song where it wasn't until years after the fact that, like, the actual meaning of the song began to be understood. Uh, Laura has talked about this is this is about um, the violence that transgender people face. Uh, and, And it's also about just sort of her own insecurities and and fears about being transgender and um trying to write about these issues and not out herself because she was terrified of being outed um but also like it's such a major thing that she's struggling with and 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 thinking like 
maybe if I write these songs and just get it out on paper, I, I can sort of move past these things. Um, this is a very, very heavy song. Uh, this is an incredible- thematically, it's not like a metal song or anything, but yeah, dark is the word I guess you would use. It's really dark. It's a. Re- I just said my my first note was dark fucking song. Yeah. Um, I I didn't love the song musically, but it definitely resonated with me. And and I I think that your own experience reflects back on you in art and in i mean a lot of other ways but even knowing that laura was trans when i heard this i was like oh this is about being open and out of the closet and the fear of being out of the closet and for me it wasn't because i'm gay and not trans it was about like this is the same a lot of the same experience maybe not as bad as trans people have it. And I know that because trans people have it so much worse than cis queer. I don't think, I don't think do. it's, I don't think it's a competition. No, it's not. No, it's not. Absolutely. No, I, I, I don't think so either. And I think that that's anyone that, that says that is, is silly. And that's not what my point was, but I, I like when I read it, I was like, Oh yeah, I know. I know exactly what she's right. talking about. I know what she's singing about. I know exactly what that is. That's but that's that- very interesting to, for me to hear because uh, at the time, uh, and in, I, myself included in this, most people took this song to be about the Holocaust. Oh, I didn't hear um, that at all. Not at all. No, but that was sort of the interpretation of it that I had really until I started doing research for this show and like very closely listening to the lyrics and reading of uh, what Laura had to say about it. But I mean, I don't know what else to say other than like, you know, a lot of transgender people face violence just for being transgender. Just for being who they are, uh, being yeah. their authentic selves. You know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, I mean, and, and it is, there's, there's, there's a lot of folks that are like that. Yeah. I guess now that you've said it, cause it didn't ever cross my mind but I could see where people would pick up on the Holocaust reference. I think, you know, there's like lock the door to your room. But I also think that like the lyric that stuck out for me was, and we'll watch the light coming out of the door, listen for footsteps coming down the hall. Are you going to wake up screaming through a slip throat? That right. like, to me, when I heard it and then I read it was like, Oh, the call is coming from inside the house, right? right? This is a this is a parent, probably a father, who's upset about their child who is 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 queer coming into their bedroom and being violent on that person. Right. You know, yeah. and that that's what I immediately jumped to. But I think that the, I mean the chorus is the most powerful line where it's like, "What could we have done to deserve violence like this?" Like that's yeah. <laughs> that is a re- that that is as relevant in. 2022 as it was in 2005 with all the bullshit that's going on now and all the, the you know, yeah, I just, it was. Well, the, and, and we talked about this on episode zero and, and sadly it's even more true now. It's only Things definitely yeah. gotten a lot worse and even Quickly. worse than I could have imagined in the last three or four months. So um, yeah, songs like this are definitely important. And it, uh, it, it, you don't, these are songs that are important that you may not want to listen to because they are yeah it's a bummer brutal. I mean it's, it's a bummer song it's uh and I and and I love the placement of it where you have this really fun and energetic song 
and we're making fun of Connolly's rice and we're all having a good time. And then it just hits you with this. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, I think, I think against me does a really great job of just like little things, like just putting the songs in the right order. Yeah. Makes such a difference for an album like this. We'll listen to an alternate version of this album where the tracks are in us in a different order. And it definitely makes a difference. Yeah, no, I think I've always thought track order was incredibly important on an album. Like an yeah, album that tries to be an album as opposed to a collection of songs. And and then it's definitely something that we have talked about before that, that Laura feels uh, very strong about is an album is a, is a full piece of art yeah, and not I, just I, individual I songs. So um, let's move on to the next song. Pretty Girls. Which is called Pretty Girls, The Mover. Man, this is another just like absolute all-time favorite. Just against me song, song period. Man, I just really related to this one. Uh, As a young person and like even today, uh, we'll get into personal stuff about me here in a second, but a song just about like the anxiety you feel around dating and meeting new people. And it's also dealing with uh, dysphoria. Yeah. Um, big time. It big is time. about being transgender, which again, uh, we didn't really know at the time that that kind of stuff wasn't really picked up on, but I don't think you have to be transgender uh, to relate to this song. It's one of the most like relatable songs I've ever heard in my life. I just love it so fucking much. Uh, what do you want to say about it? Yeah, I mean, this is the song that I was referring to when we talked about earlier. We're like listening back today, yeah. which is for, for me a first time knowing that this is written by someone who transitioned. Right. It it makes a lot of sense. Like this is a, a, a you know, someone coming to the realization that they might be trans but i also agree with you in that it doesn't strictly apply to that i think a lot of people feel like they would rather be someone else and you know like this one again i wrote i don't write down all the lyrics to all the songs but this one was you know sometimes at night i pray to wake a different person in a different place and i'm like that's fucking relatable yeah for a lot of people now if you know i mean there's she wrote she wrote it about being trans but right you don't have, I mean, you don't have to be trans. No, 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 not at all. That's what, that, yeah. The that, universal that. experience. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, for me, one of the things um, that I deal with is I still to this day, and it was much worse when I was younger, but still have a ton of social anxiety. And just like, I just feel like anytime I talk to anyone, that I'm annoying them or that I'm bothering them. And like, even last night, when I went to the concert, I just sort of hung out against the wall and looked at my phone until the show started because I just don't want to bother anyone. And like, I don't, I, I know like in my mind, I could just start talking to someone and it would be fine. Yeah. But I just can't do it because I just think they're going to think I'm annoying or they're going to think I'm weird. So I've just always really, really, uh, love this song because i just um i just really relate to it heavily and 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 one thing i've talked about before uh is i just think laura does such a great job of writing 
about how it feels to have anxiety. I also think that, you know, in, in a, I think art, and I'll just use that broad term. I don't always love that term, but I think that great art caters to misfits. Sure. And, and, and people who don't always have a voice and people who are maybe underdogs, but I also think it caters to not kidding. I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm an underdog. I'm a straight, no. uh, cis male who's over six foot. I'm just weird. And then, <laughs> no, and I don't think you're an underdog. And I, 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 I wasn't using all of those terms like interchangeably. I was using sure. them like those are different groups of people that, that I think good art appeals to people that don't necessarily think they have a voice. And, and besides being a straight cis white guy, like you have, your own anxieties, right? And you have your own sure. thoughts. And if someone could come in and, and make you feel better about that or make you feel anything, it's like, I'm different and that's okay. Even if I don't necessarily say it's okay, I'm just working it out in this song. Other yeah. people that are working on their own issues, and we all have issues. That's the whole thing. I just feel a ton of anxiety about any social situation that I'm in. And, and, and being around people that I don't know and meeting new people is like, one of the most stressful things that I can do. Uh, so yeah, I just, without dwelling on it too much, just, uh, <laughs> you've wanted, already said too much. <laughs> wanted to talk about that. And, um, cause it's a really important song to me, but let's it's, move on. It's a good song. Yeah, it's great. But let's move on to number eight, which is how love, uh, which is a song about trying to get clean and, um, and relapsing. And one of the things she's struggling with at this time is trying to be sober, but it's so easy to relapse when you're in a bar every night. Yeah. It was a return to roots too. Like it definitely felt like this is more folk than punk. And yeah, it, yeah. It's a song. I this, think is I the, this is the most stripped down song on the uh, album. Even the next song, which is also sort of a, Stripped down acoustic song has a lot of production on it. And this really is just like voice and guitar old yeah. school against me. Like, yeah. Well, like, unlike the next, I mean, unlike the next song, I really liked this song. I wasn't surprised okay. about the next one, but I, right. I do. I like it. It's like, Hey, this is, this is, this is going back to the folk of the folk punk. I don't think they, I don't know if they ever call themselves that, but we'll get into that in the quotes. I, she had stuff to say about that, but um <laughs> We'll get to that in a minute but um yeah i thought this one the album slows down here for a few songs yeah and uh and and th- right around this time even though i really really like this song a lot she's very honest uh and brave here with um talking about her struggles with addiction but it does kind of this right around here is where you start thinking like Oh yeah, this has been going on for a while. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> but um, but I do really, really like this song a lot. I think it's a really cool and interesting song, but don't have a ton to say about it. Uh let's move on to number nine, which I guess you did not like too much, uh, which is joy. 
you go ahead and then I'll, I'll uh, give some just, background info. I guess I just felt like it was a very nihilistic song and I don't mind nihilism because I feel like I've probably become a lot more nihilistic uh, in my age, my older age. Anyone knows who knows me knows I'm one of the most cynical and nihilistic people. Yeah, I'm pretty you, cynical you could, too. Uh, come across, but <laughs> I, I just, I, just i kind of was waiting for that moment for it to pick up and it never does and i just thought, i agree i agree with that yeah for sure yeah. it's and just, just sort of a it's just sort of a short acoustic song yeah um it's like everything is it, bad but hey everything it's not so bad <laughs> i i liked it i said uh this is about as hopeful as she's capable of being at this point in her life yeah uh <laughs> she's she's trying to do something positive here um, but she's having a hard time. I also think it's it's sort of about sobering up, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh and 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 uh you know, she's dealing with being sober for the first time in her she talks about she started drinking and doing drugs at like 13 and and now it's like an adult, you know, she's like kind of having like her first sober days and weeks. So um I think this is definitely about that. I I would say I like this song. I don't love it. Um, I, I think this one kind of just slows down the album too much. Um, it, it's fine. I know a lot of people really do like it, and I like it. I'm not as negative on it as Austin, but um, <laughs> it's, it's definitely it's definitely not my favorite song of the album. It's definitely not my favorite. I didn't hate it, but I didn't. It's not yeah. My, compared I mean, compared to what fine. else is in this song. Yeah. It is what it is. Let's move on to song number 10, uh, which is a fucking great one. Holy shit. Um, and this is just about things just starting to feel too routine in the band, not wanting to sacrifice the artistic freedom to be successful, but also wanting that success and, and, and struggling with that. And, and, and Laura just feeling like, nothing we make is good enough at this time yeah this this song really sounded familiar um and i don't know why i don't think i'd ever heard it but it sounded like it sounded enough like other songs where i was like i think i know this song but then i don't i mean this is i would say this is one of their more well-known songs it's it's definitely possible that you've heard this before that's okay then that's possible like it showed up on a mix or something yeah and um yeah it's it's it definitely was the one where i was like when it came on i was like I might know this. Okay, uh, that's cool. It it like, yeah, I don't know. I said it just felt like we keep doing this and nothing is changing. I think I think there's some of that. I definitely think there's some of that. Um yeah, I mean with the, along those lines, the, the lyric that really stuck out to me, we haven't talked about a ton of individual lyrics uh this time, but one of the things that stood out to me here is when she says, of all the ways we'd like for it to be. They're just drunken conversations, song lyrics sung at the top of our lungs so desperately. Yeah. And, and and you're absolutely right. Just feeling like, what are we doing this for? Right. Like, at what point does any of this make a difference or does it? Right. And and, I, um, and, that, and that's that goes. I think that feeds into, hey, maybe maybe we're taking ourselves too seriously. Let's just make some fucking money. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that could be a stretch. I don't think hmm. they I were don't, not. A, I don't know. What's not, Mind they you. were not I, a band that was out to do a cash grab, even right. though they desperately needed money at this time. They were not making 
much money working for fat and they didn't get paid a ton of money relatively to go to sire the 1.3 million that i talked about earlier was to make two albums and then split the rest of the money like amongst the band right so she didn't get 1.3 million dollars right right they split it up five or six different ways at this time they they really were trying to to break out of that but also struggling with that. Everything they do leads to them being called a sellout, but also they desperately did not want to feel like sellouts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, no, absolutely. It's a difficult and, balance. And you have a bunch of shithead fans that are like, you sold out and we didn't like you. Uh, anymore. Yeah. I can't believe this. It's like your fan culture is the worst everywhere. It doesn't matter yeah. what you're doing. Absolutely. It's so toxic. I hate it. Except for me, I'm great. I'm I'm the best fan of <laughs> anything. I just I just look at the look at my phone until you're playing, and then I don't talk to you at all, and I go home. And I think that's that's one of the things that I wanted to say. I forgot to say this earlier, um, but uh, one of the things I really enjoyed about the Dollar Sign Show was I saw two bands play, and I waited in line to get a T-shirt after the show. And then I walked about two blocks to my car and I was in my car leaving Charlotte by like 930. <laughs> and it, it, there's a lot of talk about what is or isn't punk rock. Punk rock to me is when the show ends at a reasonable hour and I have a nice time. <laughs> That's so, you're in your 30s. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so are they. So the guy, I think the guys in the band are all like around the same age. As yeah. Me, and they're so like, like, we got to get home. And me too. It's like, it's like I go to a show and it's like, I'm there to have fun. And with the second the show is over, I just want to go home. I want to be home yeah. at my house with my dog and my cats. Yep. And let's move on um, to song number 11, which this is a really long title. This one is called even at our worst, we're still better than most in parentheses, the roller. And this is Laura just really struggling with like knowing that she was not a nice person at this time and just not a fun person to be around. And there's a lot of tension in the band and, uh, and, and, and her just feeling like, I just, sometimes I just want to say, fuck it. And let's give up and go home. Yeah. <laughs> I hear Murphy. <laughs> yeah. You go ahead. <laughs> Come here, buddy. Come on. Come on. Okay, go ahead. I was All just right. gonna say, <laughs> um, it this felt like the response to unprotected sex with multiple partners. This was like, hey, you think this is what it's like, and this is what we do being a quote unquote signed band. Here's what it's actually like. It's right. miserable. Yeah. I hate it. Everything about it is awful. And, and like the stuff that we have to go through, right? Like, Hey, the money's nice, but you don't realize what a sacrifice it takes to, to, to attain this sort of this level of income doing what we want to do. So, yeah, it felt like this is a, like the call and response to that song. Yeah, That's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that, but that's, that's uh yeah, I think that might be correct. Um, <laughs> There's no right answer. We'd have to have yeah. Laura on, but that's that was my impression. Yeah, well, we won't, we won't have Laura on because no, she's not even as listening. we have not mentioned on the show. The number one rule of the show is to not tell Laura Don't about tell Laura. the show. Anyway, back to 
the songs Austin. I I I did not have a ton to say about this one. Um, I said I thought musically this is one of the least interesting songs on the album. Um, yeah, so I, I, again, I like this one, but it's it's definitely not one of my favorites. Yeah, it's, it's, I didn't I didn't put any stars by it. That's how I, when you when you uh, yeah, when I'm thinking about what are the go to songs on this album, this this isn't one of them. No. No. But but I but I like it. It's a very personal and honest song, and uh, I, I think all the songs on here, I I I like to some degree. Or there's not, not a I mean, bad song on this album. No, I I mean I think this is like an almost perfect album, but uh, you know you're gonna like some songs more than others. But let's move on to song number twelve, which is problems, and this this again is another one of just like you know the struggles of being in a band and. Um, one thing they talked about dealing with was because uh, they were constantly on tour around this time and feeling like when you're on tour, you've got something to do. Like, hey, we've all got to drive here and play this show today. Right. And all day you're figuring out, you know, the set list and getting the equipment ready. And um, then you go and you play the show and it's this big thing and it's great. And it, and it feels like, ah. We did this really great thing. And then when you're home, just kind of feel like you don't know what to do yep. and just, just feeling lost because you're just, you're just, you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Like, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to write another song. You're supposed right. to write another album, get back out there, what rinse, wash, repeat, you know? Yeah. I thought the most interesting lyric here, um, I'm losing semblance of coherence to a former self. And, and, and I think Laura really was struggling at this time of feeling like I'm becoming a different person. Right. It's not hard Um, though. That's the thing is like, as you like, this is very much like a, I'm, 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 this is now becoming a career. This is not a a job. It's not a passion. It is a passion, but it's, this is more about the career you you end up with more money and obviously we'll talk about this in the next album i'm sure but you also end up with all these people around you that are trying to you know that that are trying to steer you in a certain direction you have more obligations to more people but outside of the immediate band you're responsible for more people i i get it i as for the song itself i thought it was i thought it was a little anthem i thought it was upbeat but i kind of thought it was a forgettable song overall i i agree with that i, agree with I that. thought it was good um, but it was empty it did not it did not end up being my worst song but no man either it was what i had written down for a while i ended up changing it but yeah i think this one just i absolutely agree um i like this song i think it's a really good song i think if you cut it it wouldn't have any effect on this album yeah i do too yeah all right let's move on to number 13 which is Don't Lose Touch. This is the lead single from the album. I was going to say, this had to be the yeah. single. Absolutely. It's a great song. Uh, they played on Conan O'Brien's show uh, with this song. That was their first sort of major television appearance. And Laura talked about her family and friends watching at home. And even her father, who she did not have a great relationship with, uh, like feeling like, oh, I guess you are actually doing something. <laughs> legitimate. TV. Um, so that was a, a big moment for the band. 
and sort of uh, helping expose them to a sort of a newer, more mainstream audience, which is which is what they were looking for at the time. Um, but I mean, thematically, this is sort of about trying to stay who you are without taking yourself too seriously, and and um, but also feeling like it's it's just never enough for people. See, so that I'm glad you said that because I listened to this song and I read the lyrics and I couldn't figure out what the fuck it was about. And I don't okay. know why, but that was like my note. I was like, I think, I think it's definitely the think, single, but I read it and I don't know what it's talking I about. Think, like, I think it's about two different things. I think one thing is, like I said, she's dealing with um, trying to stay genuine. And be probably real, make everyone happy. Be a, Right. Be her real self, uh, but also not um, become like a parody. Right. You know, okay. and, beca- and because you don't what you don't want to do, uh, Austin, is you don't want to become Lynn Danzig. You know what I mean? True. But the other theme, I think, is just feeling like you you can't do enough. Nothing is ever enough for these for these fans. Yeah, like no. we we give you everything we've got, and you some of more. You still say it's not good enough or complain. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 that's and then they were definitely dealing and struggling. Not just Laura, but everybody in the band was talking about in interviews about this time about the fan backlash really getting to them. Yeah, um, but I think uh, a lyric that stood out to me here. And another one we talk about being even more true today than it was then is she says, constant entertainment for our restless minds, constant stimulation for epic appetites. And God damn, is that even more poignant yeah. in 2022 than Holy it was shit, in 2004. You know, it's it very much ahead of the time. <laughs> um, and, and, and one thing that Laura talks about a little bit here and it'll be a major theme on at least one song on the next album is feeling like music is becoming disposable yeah and yeah she's not wrong no boy did she kind of see where things were headed (laughs) Uh, (laughs) in a big way uh but i think it probably got even worse than she uh she could have envisioned, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I mean, against me was like one of the last bands where like you could, you could kind of make money doing like just sort of mid-level punk stuff. And I don't know that there's any, I don't know how you, how you do that now, but yeah, uh, you don't, you don't do it. You don't, do it. <laughs> yeah. you really don't. No, I, mean, I don't think you do. I think, I think, um, I think the bands that are successful find their niche and, and find a way to make a profit out of that. But I don't, I don't know what the formula is to no. break out it's as a hard. Punk band in 2020 or any kind of band, any kind of in band. 22, 2022 without major label uh, also, backing. Also, especially without, especially any sort of rock music, any, any sort of genre right. that primarily relies on guitars is almost a dinosaur at this point. Hip hop is so <laughs> thoroughly taken over. You know, right. really hip hop, yeah. R and B, and you know, pop, electronic are, music, yeah, yeah, electronic so. music as well. Like yeah. the the days of having a guitar, a bass, and drums, and that being your band. I mean, that those are long behind us in terms of the mega, you know, mega bands of the day. Unless you're an old act. Oh yeah, that's what I was just about to say. All the popular rock bands now are from are 15, old. 20 years ago. Yep. There's a lot of great punk bands out there now, but 
I mean, you got to look for them. It's not, you're not just going to stumble. But they're never going to catch fire. You know? No, no, no. It's, uh, it's really sad. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It makes me upset. I, uh, I'll find out, I'll find a band, you know, and I'll get really into them. And it's like, I'll like look it up and it's like, oh, they broke up after three years because right. just like there was nothing going on. Like, yeah. and these sort of great songs are just going to kind of be forgotten because there was just nobody to get this in anybody's ears. I mean, the, it's a really sad thing. The, it is. But the flip side is, is if you can catch them while they're going, they're a lot more accessible. Sure. Sure. Well, not to me, because I don't talk to anyone, but uh... no, I mean, but and you also live in <laughs> Podunk town, but I mean, yeah. like you can go to their shows and be there with 50 other people and have right. a better show and a better interaction with a band than you would if you went to a stadium and so oh, absolutely sure you know that's sure. what i meant yeah. by accessible and you yeah. could talk to them you just choose not to because i absolutely the band was absolutely <laughs> hanging out after the show and the guy the lead singer walked by me like and i could have said like hey right i really had a great time but i did not do that because i was scared that he would be like i don't give a fuck what you think which he, of course, he would have done that. Awesome. Of course, he would not have done that. <laughs> but in my, yeah, but of course, he, of course, he would have just said thank you so much for coming. Yeah, so thanks, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I did talk to when I bought my T-shirt. The guy who uh, he, he plays the horns and the keyboard, very, very talented guy. Um, and I had a short conversation with him and just said that I had a really great time and he was very nice about it. But I had that was a forced interaction. If I wanted to buy a T-shirt, I had to talk to this guy. You know what I mean? I had no other option. Ah, okay, I get it. Just stop. Shut up. Let's go to the last song. All right, number fourteen. <laughs> you, you never want to come to a show with me because I will drag your ass around that arena. And we'll talk to everybody. We'll see, yeah, we'll see about that. But Austin, let's move on to the last song, song number fourteen, which is "Searching for a Former Clarity." And this is a big win where she's using fiction uh, to talk about being transgender and addressing those issues without explicitly coming out. Um, it's very interesting, though, that like how different the world was that like she explicitly talks about dressing in women's clothes, but that isn't seen as coming out in any way. Right. No one like read into that too deeply at the time. And she, and she talked about playing this song for the band and the label and they just having like no reaction to it. It just didn't register with them right? on any kind of deep level. Uh, but she talked about this being a very personal song for, for her. She's very worried about her health here. Um, and so, and and so, this is where the the sort of concept album stuff plays into it more. Um, so I, uh, I I picked up, and I mean, my me and my brain again, we interpret songs based on our own backgrounds and experiences. This sure. to me was an AIDS protest anthem, and I know it's not explicitly about AIDS, but it really okay. like that was what struck me, and because of and again this is me projecting but it's because of what aids did to an entire generation of gay men right sure, in, sure. In, in especially in new york but that's just because the numbers were higher here because, <clears throat> because the number of gay men were higher here and i at one point um had quit my job 
and had a bunch of money, not a bunch, but enough money saved up where I could kind of exist without working for a little while. That didn't sure. last a whole long time. But while <laughs> I was doing that, I never called, does. <laughs> no, it never does. So you're like, oh, I can get through a couple of years. And then you're like, whoa, where did all that money go? <laughs> yeah. so, uh, but I was volunteering for an organization here in New York called SAGE. And it was um, Seniors Active in a Gay Environment, I think was what it was called. Okay. But basically, it was I my role in this nonprofit, and there were a lot of people doing a lot of things, is I would go over and help people figure out technology. Older, oftentimes single, gay individuals. And very quickly, it became apparent that it was like, oh, wait, this is this this guy that I would go over to his house is gay because he or is single because he had a partner that died of AIDS. And he doesn't right. have children because that's not what you did back then. Right. You didn't have it. Sure. And he doesn't have family because his family didn't accept that he was gay. And, and so this right. is this like lonely leftover of a generation of gay men that are, you know, they're all lonely. Obviously that's painting with a big brush, but it's like this disease impacted a lot of people in a big way. And nobody talks about that kind of stuff. So I think after that experience, it's always become very top of mind for me. So I hear a song like this and I, I know in my core that it's about being trans, but I also at the same time think, Hey, this is really easily transposable upon the the gay folks who were affected by AIDS. And that was immediately what rang in my brain, because that's the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear something like this, like not being trans, that's not the, what, is forward and at the front of what I'm thinking of. I think, I think Laura is um, sort of uniquely talented in that she is able to write about very specific experiences, but in a way that feel universally relatable. hundred percent. One hundred percent. And you can sort of impose your own feelings and experiences onto her music. And I, and I think that's what, makes people have such a powerful connection to this band. I agree. I agree. Um, I'm seeing it. I see that. I'm seeing it live. I really, no, it's, 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 I think it's Um, a a gift. I think she's an incredibly gifted songwriter, even if I love everything that she does. I think a a lot of what she does, I won't say most, but I'll say a lot of what she does is really important. And I, I appreciate that. Cool. Well, is there any final thoughts you want to say about any of these songs? Before we move on to the quotes section of the show. I feel like I've exposed my thoughts. (laughs) Well, you want to talk about exposed. I mean, I got into some really real shit here. But uh, I guess we'll leave that in. That's what keeps people coming back. I guess we'll leave that in. Um, But uh, let's move on to the quotes. Uh, The quotes this time came from two different places. Of course, we've got some from Laura's book. As always, um, I have just learned so much about Laura in this band from her book. So I really recommend it. Uh, And the other one, the other quotes that I have also (laughs) are from a Tumblr blog called Everyone is Doomed. Yes. So we're going way back into the early Internet days. Tumblr was a thing. Yes. This is somehow preserved uh, an interview from 2005 that um had the entire band uh although i don't think james actually said anything <clears throat> and the first quote here is from andrew and he's talking about uh working with jay robbins the producer and he says jay has a very unique style about him where he never makes you feel uncomfortable 
if he thinks you can do better, you can read it in his face. And uh, Laura talked about that too in her book of him uh, having a style where like he doesn't outright say, hey, that really sucked. Right. He says like, hey, why don't you try? Uh, why don't you try playing it like this? Yeah. Why don't you try? Uh, why don't you try doing this? And so um, I think everybody sort of um, said that Jay was a really good uh, guy to work with, even though his style and the band's style ultimately didn't mesh. But um, I just wanted to bring that up because there wasn't a ton of info about Jay robbins and his work with the band because he really only works with them on this one album all right we'll move on to a quote by laura she is sort of talking about bands ever evolving style and she says i think that's just by default when all you have is an acoustic guitar then you tend to write songs for an acoustic guitar you're working with what you got I know that with myself and James, we're all such geeks when it comes to musical equipment. I feel like we've been sort of branded as folk punk or whatever. I don't know how many electric guitars we have to put on records to shake the folk punk label. Oh. And uh, Laura, I feel you on that because there are listeners who want to accuse me of being like a folk punk guy. I don't think that's fair. <laughs> I don't think that's fair to me. That's fair to say. I like... <laughs> at maximum three or four folk punk bands, depending on how you want to define uh, what is or isn't. Uh, well, that's the problem with genres, right? Yes. Well, from what I understand, Austin, from a Reddit thread that I saw once is the only way to know if something is folk punk is by how the people are dressed. Exactly. Uh, so um, Laura dressed pretty modestly at this time. So I'm going to go ahead and say that. Sorry, but you are folk punk. Um, you wore a black so, t-shirt. That yeah. Folk punk. Yeah. So, yeah. So <laughs> let's move on uh, to some quotes from Laura's book. And uh, here she just sort of talks about Fat Mike's reaction to the album. And she says, Fat Mike, on the other hand, thought the album was shit. He told me that he hated Jay's production style. He didn't like the mix or the track listing. And that the cover art, a black and white photo of a Florida palm tree, was terrible. This took the wind out of our sails a bit and made me consider our next move. The reason we stayed indie, signed no contract, and taken less money was for artistic freedom. But now we found ourselves with no contract in a punk rock handshake deal, but still compromising and fighting with our label over things like artwork and songs. No, she's right. Like I said before, she always speaks very highly of Fat Mike. He's not a guy who's going to sugarcoat things. No. And uh, he did not like this album. And that ultimately was the main reason. Well, I don't know if the main reason, but that ultimately was the one reason. of the uh, major reasons that they decided to leave Fat and go with Sire because they thought, if we're going to have to make artistic compromises anyway, let's let's get something some on paper at least. Yeah. Not even about the money, but let's let's have a real contract. Right. Let's know what we're going to be doing for at least the next three or four years. No, I agree. I agree. And uh, yeah, she's not wrong. No. Uh, and the final quote we have here is again from Laura's book, and uh, what she says here is. All the noise around me about what it meant to sell out, all the people asking for something from me or telling me they wanted to do something for me, all the chaos and confusion in the face of morality. It was overwhelming. 
I wanted that sense of clarity back. I wanted to be healthy again. This psychosis fueled by dysphoria, addiction, disease, became the inspiration for these songs. So that's sort of just Laura in her own words, explicitly talking about what this album is about. Yeah. And it's easy to see now after we've talked about everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. This has been a fun episode, but also like we have had to talk about a lot of really heavy uh, subjects, which uh, has sort of been a theme for this show. Uh, <laughs> Accidental theme. I did not realize how much Laura being transgender was going to be a part of these early episodes. Um, Makes sense. She she does. She does not come out until 2012. Uh, We actually just passed the 10 year anniversary of the Rolling Stone interview uh, where she came out, but um, it's so deeply embedded in the lyrics. It's it's so deeply embedded in her. It's, it's, uh, it's a completely unavoidable topic. And I have talked before with Austin off air, I really struggle uh, talking about these sort of uh, very intense and serious issues, but uh, there's sort of no way around it with this. If we're going to talk about this band, we have got to talk about this stuff. And I just really hope that um, I'm, I'm just that I'm doing good by the, uh, by the transgender community. Um, Cause I don't really know that I'm the person to speak on their behalf. Yeah. Neither of us are. But we'll <laughs> but, do our uh, best. Yeah, but let's move on, Austin. The final segment. One of my favorite parts. Um, I want to know, Austin. Mm-hmm. What was the worst song on this album? Worst song in this album, and it hurts me because it's only one letter away from my name. It's definitely Justin. Yeah, I agree. Really? I, I, uh, yeah, absolutely. That's that's three in a row now that we've had the same. Same worst song. Must uh, be right. <laughs> yeah, I uh, like I said, I went with problems for a while. Yeah. Um. But I just think like if I had to take one song off this album, yep, and I would be okay with never hearing it again. It would be this, even though, like I said, uh, searching for a former clarity isn't really a song that you just you just put on and listen to it it is it is undeniably like a great song yeah uh whereas this just dude just disposable yeah it's 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 good i see what she was trying to do but i just don't think i just don't think a guy's email account is like the most important issue in the world maybe this was the toughest one of these for me. I totally agree. I had what, four of them. I narrowed it down I had that's, that was the same way. I had four, and I kept going back and forth. And even now, I'm not sure about my pick. I'm but I'm there too. But I want to know what you thought the best song was. So the four I came down to: "Searching for a Form of Clarity." Okay. Holy shit. Okay. How low? Okay. And what I ultimately think is my favorite song i'm gonna go with it i'm just gonna do it miami wow because my i had a completely different four so really yes that's incredible so my four and we'll let you talk about miami for just a second but my four were um don't lose touch uh 
Unprotected Sex, Pretty Girls, and From Her Lips to God's Ears. Uh-huh. Okay. That and was my I fifth. Al- if I had to say fifth, it would be From Her Lips. And what I ultimately went with, and I just thought about, okay, maybe not what I think is the, maybe not the best song, maybe not my favorite song, but when I think of this album, what's the, what's my go-to song? What's the first song I want to listen to? And it's Unprotected Sex with Multiple Partners. Wow, okay. Yeah. So, But you go ahead and say what you want to say about I just, Miami. I just think Miami's a fun song. I think that if you play that for anybody that's never listened to an Against Me song ever, they'd be like, that's good. I like that. It's yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a song you can put on any sort of like I'm gonna say mixtape and sound like I'm a hundred years old, but like mix, you, you know, sure, like, yeah. You yeah. can just throw it on there. It's a great song. You don't have to have any context. You don't know who the band is. I like it. I think that that yeah. I, I guess I'm Team Dalton in that respect, but yeah, I, I agree with that because song. it's it's a song that you can listen to with absolutely no context and love it. And that the more you look into it and learn about it, it, it becomes even yep. better. It becomes more so, and more and complex. That, that to me is the mark of a great song. Yeah. Um, Unprotected sex to me, I just think is such a fucking cool song. The riff sounds so cool. I like I talk about, I love that guitar solo and the bridge. And uh, this is a song I've just listened to a lot. And uh, I really, really like it's 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 really hard for me to say best here. because uh, I think we just listed eight great songs yeah. on a 14 on a 14 song album song. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always best is best is always tough. Worst. Is easy. I usually I usually know by about three or four listens, I'll have one or two songs that I right. think are the worst. And then it's just kind of picking. Best is hard. I'm I'm never confident in my picks. Well, we've never agreed uh, on a best so far as I remember, but we've all we've no, agreed we have not the last no. three on the worst. So I that's it. I think on the next episode we will have the same, but I I'm not sure. I don't think we'll have the same as Brian. I'm really interested to to, to hear what he thinks. But right. um, well, we'll get into it next time when we talk about New Wave. But I I think the one thing I'll say about this album, very polarizing album. People have all kinds of opinions about it. But there's a song on here that I think is unquestionably one of their top four or five songs, if not the best song they ever made. And I'm just going to leave it at that. And um, so next time we're going to talk about New Wave with Murder Brian. And uh, before we go, though, the worst part, it's the listener's favorite part. It's Austin's favorite part. Austin, what do you have to plug this episode? If you want to check out my other show, which is not just mine, but I'm on it. uh, It is If You Catch My Grift. We talk about con men, charlatans. Um, and hucksters and you can find that on pretty much any platform if you catch my grift uh, we have a website if you catch my grift.com we also have a patreon patreon.com slash if you catch my grift and if you want to pay me for this content that's there and, and if you join the patreon you can you can um, go in the discord there and yes. this week we learned in the discord that austin has now become a much bigger fan of Against Me than I am. Yes. Uh, and listens to them a lot more than I do now, which uh, which made me very happy, but also made me feel like a fake fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Uh, Thankfully, thankfully, like I assumed, Austin really likes this band. I'm I'm, Uh, I'm definitely coming around. Because it would suck if he was like, no, I only listen to this for the show and it's miserable. I think, as always, I do not really have anything to plug. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Age of the Fever. I think that's it, Austin. I I, I don't know how long this episode is going to be, but we've been recording for a long fucking time. We have. (laughs) 